Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Welcome to episode six of the Leadership Matters Podcast. This episode is entitled, Where Have All the Leaders Gone? So there's this basketball net out in front of our house. We live on this quiet little court that is full of all kinds of kids that live on our quiet little court. And everybody seems to use this community basketball net that's conveniently placed right outside of our house, underneath this lamppost. And many kids come and use the basketball net throughout the day. They'll play ball after school. It's not uncommon for me to get home from work and, and there'll be five or six kids playing shooting hoops, uh, which I love and have never had an issue with. However, we've never really known from the time we've moved into this home almost two years ago now, who owns the basketball net? And a few months ago, strangely enough, a bunch of teenagers, older students, high school students, began showing up and playing ball. Now, we know for certain that these students do not live on our quiet little court. They are from a different street. We're not sure where. But all out of nowhere, they started showing up and playing ball on our community basketball net. And this upset some of our neighbors and, and even us because they, they weren't just playing. They were dunking. They're being disrespectful towards the, the net, not taking care of it. They're leaving their garbage on the boulevard. They're, they're loud, a little bit obnoxious at times. And, and now I never want to be that person, that adult. I, I'm getting up there. I'm not, I don't consider myself old yet, but I never want to be that old person that is always coming down on all these crazy teenagers of this generation, no respect for, you know, I never want to be that person, right? But this has kind of upset me a little bit because they're just not taking care of this and, and, and they're not respecting somebody else's property. Now, whose property? We don't really know because we still, again, do not know who owns this basketball net. Now, some of you might be thinking, just go out to them and ask them to stop. Simple fix. However, it, once again, it's not my net. So I just don't feel right doing that because it doesn't belong to me. And so I feel a little bit strange about going out and asking these high school students to stop playing on a net that doesn't even belong to me. The problem is nobody seems to really know who owns the net. And in my mind, this will never be fixed until someone owns up to owning this net and takes responsibility for it. You see, we're all, every, every one of us, we, neighbors, I know there's been some chatter in the neighborhood about this, this thing because as, as recent as, as last week, these high school students showed up at 11.30 p.m. one night and decided that was a great time to get a game of ball going. Now, some of you might be thinking that is a great time to get, especially when this basketball net is conveniently located right underneath the street light. They've got light, they, they've got this quiet little court with no traffic, perfect scenario for a great game of ball. However, our windows are open. It's just not, in our minds, a good time to start a basketball game when all we can hear at 11.30 when we're trying to go to sleep is this pounding of the ball on the pavement. And so we're all secretly looking as neighbors and as a neighborhood for somebody to take ownership and do something about this. However, I'm confident here today that nothing is going to change in this situation. This will never be fixed until somebody owns up to owning the net. See, there's a problem today that affects our churches and even businesses and, and spans nationwide. This is not just Ontario, but I, I am fortunate enough to sit at a, a national 
guiding group table of, of youth directors across our nation. And, and this is something that we're seeing across Canada, Canada-wide, maybe even in, in the States, I'm not sure, but I, I can definitely say across Canada, this is, this is an issue, a problem that's affecting us today. And it's this, it's a lack of leaders, a leadership void, leadership deficit, if you want to, if you want to say that, but we are facing this head on. And, and I know this podcast is, is, is I want it to be uh, helpful for, for not just church leaders, but business leaders as well. And we're gonna, I'm going to be talking a lot about ministry and, and church leadership in this particular podcast, but it, it's still the principles are still the same for business leaders. So, so bear with me. If you're a business leader listening to this today, I know you're going to get something out of this as well. You see, we've got churches in transition with no potential candidates in sight for a future pastor. This is, this is one of the first times Eastern Ontario District has faced this issue. Other districts across our nation have faced this before, but this is one of the first times where we have faced this here in Eastern Ontario. We've got openings. We've got churches that need lead pastors, support staff, and there's just no resumes. There's no candidates for them. And this is an issue that, that we're facing and plagued with in, in our nation today. Positions to fill and no leaders to fill them. We've also got struggling Bible colleges across our nation that, that can't seem to, to get enough registrations and are finding it difficult at times year to year to make ends meet. And similarly to, to the issue on my street with this basketball net, I'm confident today that nothing much is going to change until somebody owns this. Who's going to own it? Because I, I believe we're all kind of looking to the left or the right, and, and we can point fingers all we want. But until somebody owns this, nothing is going to change, and this will never be fixed. And that's kind of the bottom line for this podcast of this episode six today, is that until we own it, we will never fix it. Until we own it, and this can apply to any issue you're seeing in your business, in your church, in your ministry, youth ministry, kids ministry, wherever you're leading as a leader today, until you own it, you'll never fix it. You see, we've got too many leaders too quick to point the finger. We want to institutionalize this, this issue, this problem, and blame our, even our, I've heard so many pastors and leaders blame our theological training centers. Well, well our Bible colleges just aren't producing leaders anymore. And I'm sitting there thinking, but they can't train who they're never being sent. See, we've got to own this as church leaders. Fact is, churches are no longer raising and releasing leaders in the same magnitude as we once did. We've become, and, and here's why I believe that is an issue today, is because we as churches have become too good at hurting and hoarding people instead of raising and releasing you see, if it remains somebody else's issue, there'll never be an urgency to fix it. Because ownership always creates urgency. Part of the ownership issue could be the result of an awareness issue. And as I sit here and contemplate this today uh, for this podcast, obviously we, we can't own something if we're totally unaware of its existence. You can't own something you don't even know exists, Right? So, so here are five signs. I've put together five simple signs, and the, this is not an exhaustive list, but through my reading and experience and, and as I listen to other leadership podcasts, uh, I've just come up with five quick signs that you may not be releasing and raising leaders in your ministry, your business, uh, youth ministry, whatever the leadership position uh, that applies to your context, okay? So here they are real quick. Number one, 
These are five signs that you may not be raising and releasing leaders like you should be. Number one, you buy more than you build. Here's what I mean by that. Anytime there's an opening, your first reaction is to hire somebody outside than to build somebody from within. And uh, I know it's becoming more common and and we hear about this more and more. And I think churches are, are becoming more and more open to hiring from within. Your best hire is always from within, in my mind. Somebody you've raised up, somebody that you've trained, somebody that's already bought into the vision. You are way further ahead. Anytime you can, and I, listen, I recognize there are times when you've got to hire from from the outside. You've got to hire somebody. But when that's always your first reaction, anytime you've got an opening, you've got a leadership position, your first initial reaction is to hire somebody outside. Well, who could we get? We better put a job posting. We better find some resumes. If that's your first reaction all the time, that's a, that's a clear indicator that you are probably not raising and releasing leaders like you could be. Number two, you've stopped growing. The plateau thing has, has begun to affect your ministry, your church, your business, whatever the case may be. When your church ministry stops growing, uh, this is a clear indicator that, that you may not be raising and releasing leaders. You see, listen, listen to this idea, this thought. Why would God give you more people if you lack the leaders to actually lead them? It's time our, our churches and ministries, and youth ministries, kids ministries, uh, whatever the, the ministry that you currently lead or, or businesses, it's time we actually had more leaders than makes sense. I always tried, as a youth pastor, I tried for, uh, for many years to have, to have leadership teams, the size of leadership teams that, that just didn't make sense. And, and here's what I always told my leaders. Hey, guys, there are going to be times when there are so many people sitting around this table, sitting in this leadership room today for these meetings when, when it just doesn't even make sense because there's so many leaders. We don't even have that many students. I said, but just, just trust me because I, I see something and, and I always want to be ready for God to release a harvest in our ministry. And, and I believe churches should operate the same way. If we really believe he is Lord of the harvest, then we need to constantly be prepared for the harvest way before he gives it to us. Otherwise, why would God give his, his, his people, his children, that he cares more about than we do? Why would he release them to us if we don't have the leadership in place to take care of them and mentor them and disciple them? It just why would God do that? Third reason, constantly having issues finding leaders and volunteers. And this is, this is one that plagues every, every church I've been in, um, is constantly looking at, for, for leaders and volunteers. But when this becomes an issue, when you can't find enough leaders and volunteers, you've got to look, at, you've got to look in the mirror. When you're constantly making public announcements, which, which that's a whole other podcast, I, I believe that's probably one of the worst ways to, to actually find volunteers and find leaders is, is public announcements. And, and you can ask me about that privately or send me an email or whatever, and I'll tell you why I believe that. But when you're constantly having issues finding leaders and volunteers, that's a clear indicator that you, you're, you do not have a culture of raising and releasing leaders in your ministry. Number four, if you left, it would fall apart. This is a big one. Think about your ministry, the the ministry context that you find yourself or or even your business. Say you're a business leader, you own a small business or or whatever the case may be. If you left today, would everything absolutely fall apart in your absence? 
If the answer is yes, or you even have to pause to think about that for, for more than five seconds, the answer probably is yes, then this is not set up the way you need to have it set up for success. And this is a clear indicator that, that you do not have a raising and releasing culture uh, present in, in your ministry or your business. Because the truth be told, you're doing it all instead of raising up others to help and, and do the work of the ministry. You're probably a doer more so than a leader. And this is something that that, uh, that was spoken about in, in, in a book I was reading recently, Fairness is Overrated. And uh, the, the author's name is just dropped out of my mind. I'm drawing a mind blank right now at, at the moment. But it's a great book, and it, it spends a, a chapter talking about this whole idea, this leadership idea of doer versus leader. And I see this a lot in, in many of our churches and, and even youth ministries. you got leaders in place that are, that are doers versus leaders. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a doer. you just got to know what you are. And uh, if you're a doer, then you're going you're gonna to see the, the, the side effects of that in your ministry because it's likely your tendency, and you're going to have to work against this if you are naturally a doer, um, is to do all the work of the ministry, to do everything. And you can't do it all. We are not called to do it all. You're called to to raise up others to help with the work of the ministry. And so you need to be a leader, and, and that might be going against the grain for you. And that's okay. So you're just going to have, some are going to have to work harder at that than others. Number five, the last one. Again, this is not an exhaustive list, but these are just five quick ones that came up with from, from my readings and, and uh, listenings and experience. Um, number five is this. This is probably my favorite. The only fruit you have is on your own tree. Now, some of you might be, what in the world is he talking about? Well, great question. The greatest reward, listen to me, the greatest reward is when the fruit of your life and your ministry and the effects of you've had and the influence you've had on others is when your fruit, the fruit of your life, begins growing on other people's trees. But so many of us, the only fruit we see from our, from our life and influence grows on our own tree. Here, here's what I mean. You raise up and, and you release another leader and they go on to lead a group of their own people and, 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 and they raise up more and you see the multiplication effect that's going on here. When you do that, your fruit actually grows on another person's trees. I have, I have students that are in ministry today, leading churches and leading youth ministries of their own, and, and, and they're seeing people saved and come to know, uh, come to know Christ in, in their ministry or leadership context. Uh, I had a part to play in that. Not in an arrogant way, but, but God has enabled me to influence them in some small way, shape, or form, so much so that now they're going on and using that, what I've invested in them as a leader, they're using that in their own context that God has placed them in, and now because of that, as a result, I can look down a line and point to different people and say, I've got fruit growing on other people's trees. That's probably one of the most, absolute, most rewarding things in life and ministry is to be able to look down a line and point to various people and say, I, I had a, some small way, shape, or form, I, I, I impacted their lives as a leader. And now they're going on to lead their own group of people and do the same. So real quickly, recap, five signs you may not be raising and releasing leaders in the way that you could be is, number one, you buy more than you build. Number two, you stopped growing. Number three, you're constantly having issues finding leaders and volunteers. Number four, if you left, it would fall apart. And number five, the only fruit you have is on your own tree. 
Now, I want to challenge you to start somewhere. If you're listening to this today and, and maybe one of those is, is really an issue for you or maybe two of them or maybe all five are, are um, evident in, in your life and ministry, I want to challenge you to start somewhere. You might be thinking, well, I'm overwhelmed right now just with everything you've just said because all, I'm seeing all the effects of all five of those in, in, in my leadership context. But if you know you're not currently in the practice of raising and releasing leaders, then it's time to change that. And only you can change that today. And that's why I'm so passionate about this particular podcast is, is because I believe in raising and releasing leaders, especially in church life and church ministry. I believe we need to do a better job at this because there is this leadership void, again, across our nation. And I want to do whatever I can to help fix that. And one of the ways I can do that is to challenge you, all the podcast listeners out there, to do something about it in your own life and ministry. And so I've put together five steps for creating a culture of raising and releasing leaders. Again, not an exhaustive list, but just something I've put together real quickly. And I've made it as simple as possible. I've simplified it into one-word answers, and I'll break them each down as we go. And hopefully we can get this all in in this one episode and not have to do two. Here we go. Num- number one uh, for setting up, uh, creating a culture of raising and releasing leaders is this. First of all, and these are in, in order. Um, this is intentional. Okay. The first thing is you got to find. Find the influencers. Anywhere I've, I've started in, in, as a youth pastor, in the two youth pastoring uh, positions that I, that I held in youth ministry for, for 10 plus years, I, the very first thing I would do going into a, a brand new context is look for the influencers. Now, they might, be, they might be influencing in a negative way. That's totally fine. But regardless, pull them in close to you. If they're influencing negatively, pull them in close. If they're influencing positively, pull them in close. Because these are the people that are going to help you change the culture of that group. They're already influencing, and so you need them on your team. As hard as that might be, they might be enemies of yours when you begin, but pull them in. Keep them as close as possible and, and pull them in because once you get them on your side and, and you you convert them and, and you disciple them and you grow them and invest in them, once you get them on board, you'll have no trouble getting the rest. This is the quickest way to change the culture and and influence the rest of the group is by finding the influencers because what you're doing is really you're fi- you just found a bunch of leaders okay and, and then you need to identify step two is identify so you find and then identify identify the potential for these individuals to lead uh, you can do this in, in various different ways but one of the ways I, I believe you do that is beginning by 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 giving them some I see in you statements I see in you the potential. You just you're pouring into them. You're one on one, having coffee. You go to their soccer game or whatever, and, and you you just pull them aside. Hey, I see in you the potential. What you just did out on the field there with your soccer team, I need you doing that in our youth. I need you doing that in our kids ministry. I need you doing that greeting at our church on uh, on a Sunday morning. I see in you the potential to to influence people, to lead people, and and I believe God wants to use that. For, for his glory. That, that's the I see in you statements. Pull them aside and identify the leadership potential inside of them. I do this with my own kids. 
Uh, I did this as I've been coaching, blessed enough to, to coach a hockey team this, this past season. And, and I did it with a couple of the leaders I saw on my team. Now, we didn't have captain and assistant captains that were identified um, by us. But I would pull these two in particular students aside uh, on my hockey team uh, when we were in a crunch or we needed to come back from a deficit when we're down a couple goals. And I just tap them on the shoulder. I say, boys, I need you. You, you guys lead this team by, by your personality by your enthusiasm, your excitement. And so don't don't get down on me. Don't get sour on me. I need you guys right now because you will influence the rest of this team. And identify is, is huge. The third one is train. So you find, then you identify, and then you begin to train. This is where you begin to invest in them. You develop them. You, you have meetings with them. You mentor them one-on-one sessions. The best way to, to really train any leader is to let them into your life to follow you up close because leadership is an invitation to imitation. That's one of the best definitions I love for leadership and it's so simple. It is an invitation to imitation. And so you're inviting these people to imitate your life as you do life. See, I I, I still remember anytime we've left a, a ministry context and I can remember our last position that we left. And one of the things that the leaders we trained up there and invested in and, and, and built there, one of the things that they still comment to this very day is not a message I spoke, not a sermon I spoke, not even a leadership talk I gave them in our monthly leadership meetings. Uh, one of the things that they go back to and refer to is, is Sunday nights in our home when they, they'll talk about uh, watching me interact with my wife or watching me parent my kids or, or hearing me upstairs tucking my kids into bed and, and praying over them as I'm tucking them in. Those are the things they point to and say, that spoke to me more than anything else you did. You let us in your life you, and, and allowed us to watch you do life, and I respect that. You see, you are a walking, living message leader listening to this podcast today. The best message you'll ever, you'll ever speak is your life. And so let it speak loudly. So I challenge you. This is all comes in the training step. Number four is to challenge. At some point, and this is probably where a lot of leaders fall short in my mind that I've seen, especially in this position as I travel our district and meet with youth pastors and other leaders. One of the things where I see them fall short the most is with their leadership teams and not challenging them. See, at some point, you've got to call them to raise the bar in their own lives. And this is probably the hardest part. This is where you list your expectations. This is where you hold them accountable to something bigger than themselves. And this is definitely the hardest part of being a leader, is to hold other leaders that you're training and investing and raising and releasing to hold them accountable to something. That means you got to do some tough things. That means tough love sometimes. It means discipline. I've had to let leaders go before for seasons of time. And it, I'll tell you straight up, as a leader, it's the worst part of being a leader. Absolute worst, because it hurts. Because people's lives are involved. And sometimes they don't always understand the, the heart behind it or get the reasoning behind it. And, and, and it gets personal and it gets messy. And, and I'm telling you, but if you don't challenge your leaders, especially the high capacity ones you have around them, you'll lose them. They'll go somewhere else. So challenge. This is so key. I could, I could spend a whole podcast, maybe I will down the road, just on challenging your leaders. And then number five is release. At some point, you've got to release them to go and find, identify, train, challenge, and release somebody of their own. 
That's right. It comes full circle. This is how you multiply leaders. This is how you change the leadership culture in your ministry, in your business, in your church, wherever you find yourself leading today. Number five is release. At some point, you've got to release them to go and do the same thing you've just done with them. So recap, find, identify, train, challenge, and release. And once you get this moving, listen to me, and you get some momentum behind this, I believe you can actually begin to correct the leadership void, the leadership deficit that we're seeing that's plaguing churches, ministries, and businesses across Canada today. I believe you can be a part of of fixing this issue. But remember, before we can fix it, we've got to own it. So stop pointing the finger. Stop blaming somebody else. Stop looking to our theological training centers, our Bible colleges, and, and blaming them for not raising up enough leaders. They can't raise who they're not sent. It's time we start sending again. And before we can send, we've got to raise some leaders up ourselves in our own context. Listen, the success of your life as a leader is determined not by what you did, but by who you raised. Who you built is always more important than what you built. So remember that as you go today about your life, about your ministry, in whatever leadership context God has called you to lead, uh, I, I pray and I challenge you to always make it about who you build more than what you build. Until next time, peace on your melon. And remember, your leadership really does matter. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters Podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.